This morning we hear from the book of Genesis about the creation of humankind. Let us open our ears, our minds, and our imaginations and listen across time and space to hear God's wisdom in these words. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth, and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground, but a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flows out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it divides and becomes four branches. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one that flows around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. Bedellum and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It is the one that flows around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. The word of God for the people of God. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I know that many of you might be expecting a sermon about the disciple Thomas and his journey from disbelief to belief following Christ's resurrection. Indeed, that is the norm following the common lectionary. But our Easter Eastertide series starts at the beginning, at creation. It also starts with a question, where are you from? If I were to answer simply, I might say I'm from Knoxville, or East Tennessee, or just Tennessee. If I were Adam, newly formed in the Garden of Eden, I might say that I were from the earth, molded into man by the hands of God. 
Throughout the next few minutes, I hope that you too will think about that question, where are you from? And as you think about that, I want to turn back to the end of our scripture. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. I think that that is one of the most clear lines that we get in the book of Genesis. There's no long genealogy, no cast of characters to keep track of, or moments of creation to attach to a particular day. There is simply God, human creation, the Garden of Eden, and a charge to keep it. To be good stewards of what has been entrusted to us. To raise livestock and vegetation. To take only what we need and to save the rest to imagine some future people, and to choose to live and work in such a way that there is something left for them. Despite how clear and direct that charge is, I think it's really hard for many of us to actually practice that. Indeed, we live lives that are very distant from the kinds of connections to the earth that make stewardship, like the kind in Genesis, real in our own time. Our fruits and vegetables are often planted and harvested by the hands of, that are not our own, often frozen, stored for months at a time so that we have year-round access to them, transported across thousands of miles to then magically appear at a grocery store near you. In recognition of that reality, I often try to shop at farmer's markets and buy fruits and vegetables there. I accept the cost is a bit higher than what I might pay at the store, but it's in an effort, really, to support folks who I think are being responsible and intentional caretakers of the earth. People who care for the earth in ways not unlike my grandfather has for most of his life. As of late, he's been repeating the simple mantra that I think he sort of tried to live his life by, and that is, I trust in the unchanging hand of God. And with his own hands, for the better part of more than half a century, he has raised livestock and vegetation. He has taken only what he has needed and not wasted the rest. In addition to rabbits, pigs, and livestock, he raised tobacco and tomatoes. In fact, he was one of the first farmers in Greene County, Tennessee, to grow tomatoes. And in an interview a few decades ago, he noted that he first planted an acre of tomatoes and quickly realized that that was far too much than what his family could actually take care of and so the next year he planted half an acre and yielded better results. I tell you this story because it's part of a longer answer to the question, where are you from? I tell you it too because alongside my grandfather's farming is his faith. He's a longtime Sunday school teacher at a small United Methodist church that sits atop a little hill in Greene County. You get to it by driving down a small, narrow, two-lane road with ditches on both sides. Then you turn left. There's a deep gravel path going up towards the top of the hill. And that journey down that narrow road, up that gravel path, into that small church is part of my answer to where are you from, too. I have some more questions to pose to you here. How do you keep a small rural church in existence for more than a century? You find good stewards. How do you maintain a church, a fellowship hall, a cemetery, and a memory across four or five generations? You find good stewards. And it's here where I think the beauty of the charge in Genesis is best illustrated. We can best see its breadth. That indeed we are called to care for the things that support us and nurture them so that they might one day support others. 
And on some level, I do think many of us get that. How many of us have a well-loved hand-me-down? A quilt, or a jacket, or a book. I see some hands in the back there. Some piece of jewelry from an older relative. How many of us invest a bit more money in winter boots or winter coat because we hope that it will last longer, be effective longer, support us longer? We do this with housing and with cars, too. But church is where it gets hard. There's this awkward thing in society where we have decided that churches are a place that should just make do with whatever they get. And they should never be explicit in saying, hey, this thing that you like, this institution, these walls, these pews, those windows, these lights, they actually do cost money to run. And in addition to volunteer time, we sometimes need money to make those things work. And yeah, it's awkward and uncomfortable, but that doesn't make it any less true. And in a world where many of us no longer practice tilling and keeping in the agricultural sense, we have to adjust our definitions and actions to fit the context in which we now live so that we can still be accountable to the charge to be good stewards. So again, I ask, how do you keep a small rural church in existence for more than a century? How do you maintain a church, a fellowship hall, a cemetery, and a memory across four or five generations? How do you effectively support the life and ministry of a congregation? The answer to all those questions is simple. You find good stewards. You ask folks to think about where they are from, who and what has shaped them and their lives. You ask folks if they think those things should be around in the future for other people to count as part of their origin story, as part of the framework of their own lives. And assuming the answer is yes, you ask them whether they might like to contribute to such a project. You ask them if they feel called to be good stewards. And you do all of this so that one day, when someone is asked the question, where are you from? Rather than giving the simple answer of, I am from this place or that one, they might instead look at you and say, that I am from the dust of the earth and the breath of God. I am from the stewardship of a committed Sunday school teacher. I am from the work ethic of a man who raised tobacco and tomatoes, rabbits and pigs, so that my mother and her siblings could live a good life. I am from a mother who learned that work ethic and passed it to her children. I am from the dreams of folks who gathered back in 1957 who were so thoroughly called to the belief that they may all be one, they formed an entirely new denomination in dogged pursuit of that goal. And indeed, too, I might say that I am from Tennessee, on land stolen from the Uchi and the Cherokee. I am from good stewards, and I hope that I might one day be one, too. As you reflect upon that question, where are you from, and upon what you might be called to do in this stewardship season, I leave you with two things. The first, a reiteration of the words of my grandfather, to simply trust in the unchanging hand of God. And the second is part of a speech by Paul Harvey, a radio broadcaster, who was a speaker at the 1978 Future Farmers of America convention. God said, 
I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heath bales, yet gentle enough to tame lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink comb pullets, who will stop their mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadowlark. It had to be somebody who'd plow deep and straight and not cut corners, somebody to seed, weed, feed, breed, and rake, and disc, and plow, and plant, and tie the fleece, and strain the milk, and replenish the self-feeder, and finish a hard week's work with a five-mile drive to church. Somebody who would bail a family together with the soft, strong bonds of sharing. So God made a farmer. May we all be like farmers in the journeys of our lives. May we be good stewards of what we love. May we accept the call to till and keep and give our gifts in service of God and God's creation. Amen.